This is a Founding Media podcast produced at Austin Community College District. Welcome to Science in the Mall, y'all. I'm your host, Dan Dillard. Since COVID-19 has impacted the world, we've been focusing our current episodes on the work and some of the science being done here locally in Austin. Today, our show is all about proteins. We're joined by Drs. Angela Bardo and Jag Swaminathan of Erisian. Erisian is a product of the University of Texas at Austin, and they are commercializing a new technology that has the ability to model and sequence protein molecules. Proteins are the underlying structure that all diagnostic tests rely on. So this technology has the potential to revolutionize diagnostic testing in a clinical setting by providing safer, more personalized medical intervention options. Let's get to our conversation so Angela and Jag can tell you more. Jag and Angela, thanks for being on the show. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I want to learn more about Erisian and all the things that you guys are doing. Uh, Jag, let's start with you. How did you get started with uh, Erisian? Well, let's first talk about what Erisian does, and then we'll, we'll talk about how you got into it. Sure. Erisian is a, is a young seed stage startup where we uh, it's coming out of like close to about 10 years of work from UT Austin. And what Erisian does is uh, catalog and count all the proteins that is there in any sample. So that's the that's the goal, and uh, the implication is early diagnosis of uh, diseases, basic biological research tools, um, and uh, and we can do other therapeutic interventions as well in in the products that we can make. So it's a life science technology company that's going to make a box. Sounds fascinating. Um, how did you get involved in Los Angeles in a second? But how did you get involved or in this type of science? So uh, my background, I come from uh, India, and uh, I came to UT Austin to do my PhD work. And my PhD, uh, my initial thoughts of PhD was in this the then uh, hot field called synthetic biology. And so I landed a place in the lab of Dr. Edward Marcotte. Um, Little did I know that there are more interesting projects and more challenging ones along the way. And uh, one fine early Jan morning, um, Edward uh, Edward Marcotte and myself had a like a brainstorming session, and he was posing this challenging uh, problem about trying to uh, sequence and identify proteins at a single molecule level. So that caught my imagination, and it's been, yeah, all these years getting a PhD and now a co-founder of the startup. So it's been a nice ride for me. Nice, nice. Angela, uh, how did you get to meet, first of all, Jag, and how did you get involved with Ericsson? Sure. So my background is is analytical chemistry, specifically single-molecule imaging, um, but I came to Texas, um, when I came to Texas, I started working at the University of Texas, running a microscopy core facility in the department where Edward Marcotte and Jag um, were doing their research. And I met them through that, but I, I left uh, the university to work for Carl Zeiss, who manufactures microscopes. And um, I was ready ready to leave that company after a while, and I ran into Edward, and he told me, convinced me, seduced me <laughs> into helping them do the microscopy part of this project. Um, he had gotten some money to um, expand the research. And so, um, yeah, I joined the lab maybe 
six years ago, it seems like. And, um, w- and, and I've been helping with the microscopy side and the analytical sort of um, development. And then as the company spun out, I'm in charge of product development and also um, developing the instrument that will do the, the analysis. Very cool. What, um, so just for the purposes of people that don't have PhDs, like myself, <laughs> what's the technology capable of that Aristian uh, is developing? Sure. We are, are the proteomics version of genomic sequencing, which most people know in the sort of the world as 23andMe, as you send off your, your um, DNA to be sequenced and it tells you something about your, your history and, and who you were at birth. Um, proteins, though, are far more active in your current state of health. And so Arisian is really interested in doing that sort of thing with proteins. <laughs> so we'll catalog what, what's going on. If you're, say, have a disease where there's a biomarker in very low concentration, we'll be able to identify it at those early stages and help you get treatment faster. Or what may be more likely is we'll help researchers find those biomarkers and develop diagnostics to help. And you might have answered this in this last question, but I just want clarity. So, so what 23andMe to DNA is, what Aresin is to proteins. What is can you explain to us again what is what got you all interested in protein itself? Like, what's so important about proteins? And I know that's like from a to you guys. No, talking about proteins are everything. But tell us, tell us more. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. This is this is a classic question that even my mom asks. So I'm not at all. uh, uh, I, I take it that it is important to convey that information. So uh, you all may have heard about proteins from like your health supplements and things mm-hmm. like that. But, you know, uh, when when you uh, have your DNA, which people say as the blueprint of life, uh, and if you take the same analogy of a blueprint for a home, proteins are all the structural components that make the home. Like the, the blueprint will tell you where the doors are, where the windows could be, and so forth. But the actual doors, the windows, the color of the walls, those are all the components that are the proteins. So in other words, if there is a disease, um, it's like a leak in the roof, right? So you don't want to go to the blueprint and identify what the problem is. You would rather take a ladder, observe the proteins, and fix the roof. Uh, so in, in that same analogy, proteins are what uh, are both the structural and also the functional components of any living cell. And every cell of your body has like 20,000 different types of proteins. So we kind of like make a joke of that it's 23 and me versus 20,000 and me, right? Uh, um, the other thing that I think everyone should know about proteins is that uh, any diagnostics that you do today is measuring the levels of proteins, like like 99% of all diagnostics, like measuring your blood glucose with this HbA1c levels. That is your protein uh, quantification, like you're quantifying the protein, that individual protein. And that indicates your health. That indicates your day-to-day fluctuations of your health and so forth. 
And any diagnostic, any drugs that uh, act on that you take in, like your aspirin to like your insulin supplements, they are all acting on proteins. So they modulate the function of the protein. So imagine these little nanomachines just running around your bloodstream, fixing uh, wounds, clearing out cancer cells. They're all a manifestation of these fundamental biomolecules called proteins. So... I, yeah, I hope I explained uh, that well enough. No, that was really, really interesting because I, you're right. When I think about protein, I think about looking at my shakes, how much protein am I getting before a workout, and that's pretty much where my knowledge of protein stops. I'm curious, and I just want to go back to college or even even before then. What got you into the sciences? Like, what was this a was this something that was you know have family in, in science, or did you were you just like like take us back to that moment where you're like I want to go into science. Huh. Um, okay. So I, I would say there were two uh, two crucial moments in my early life. Uh, one was my grandfather gave me a little uh, book series. It's it it was it was he presented me with the World Book Encyclopedia, but mm-hmm. he also gave me uh, a set of like eight books about different individual science, like physics, astronomy, and I was probably in like middle school or high school. There was one book in particular that really picked my interest, which was Men of Science, or it was called People of Science or something like that. It was a small little book, but that had like stories from like Aristotle and Galen to like modern things. So they they always were my superheroes in that respect. Um, The other uh, important uh, uh, point in my life was uh, in back in India, there was a time when I applied for like fellowship and things like that. And I got uh, selected to one where uh, the project involved tracking uh, wild elephants migration through some Indian jungles. So um, seeing an elephant in the wild was the single most like amazing moment. Wow moment. You, one yeah. can encounter like you walk around in the bushes and there is this gigantic elephant in the like just like it was a single male tusker like in our three days of survey, but that was all it took to like blow my mind about like how majestic biology is. And there are other things like I always like to draw. So I would do all these, like uh, help my friends and do their diagram, biological diagrams for high school. So that was another reason why biology science has always been part of me. I love it. I love it. Angela, what about you? You, you came have a chemistry background. What, what attracted you to chemistry? Um, it was hard. <laughs> I, that, that I, 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 my family is not, um, really don't have a background in science. I think there are a few engineers in, in my history. Um, but, um, I went to high school and I took the chemistry class and I thought this was interesting. Um, it was, I didn't really understand it. And that's pretty much my entire history of education. The reason that I take the classes that I do or choose the fields that I do is because I have no idea what the people are talking about and I feel like I need to. (laughs) So I started chemistry. Yeah. But um, my real interest, um, the reason reason that I chose um, analytical chemistry and and spectroscopy spectroscopy specifically, which is the study of light, is really because I think light is fascinating, even as a child, you know, coloring with coloring books and crowns and and sun through a prism. Um, 
today is a beautiful day in Austin. The light through the window makes me happy. So, um, yeah, so the study of light has really um, sort of been my passion, um, painting and, and looking through microscopes and cameras. It's all really the same thing to me. What was your wow moment? Like the first time you picked up a microscope, is that the is that the wow moment? And how old were you? No, not at all. Um, so the light thing, I was um, was pretty little when I was sort of wowed by light. Um, my father sold many things, and for some reason, um, well, he sold lighting for industrial applications, and for some reason, we had a very large um, bug zapper with the fluorescent lights on the floor in the living room. And I also happened to have these fluorescent crayons <laughs> and I, I was told, or maybe I knew that they would glow under the, the fluorescent light. So I was coloring with them. And then if I took them away from the light, you could color over them with normal crayons and not see anything. And then you could put them under the light and you saw this sort of mysterious image. And that, that whole concept was sort of fascinating to me, but, um, really spectroscopy sort of zooming to, um, undergraduate, I thought it was just so elegant and simple. Like you put light in, you get light out, but as you learn more about it, there's a, a deeper and deeper and deeper levels of complexity about why molecules will take in light and, 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 um, give you light back. And, um, the application of that and then the, the ability to make measurements out of it is is sort of been my my career driving force. So and that's how Arisian does what it does is it puts these fluorescent reporters on the proteins and those fluorescent reporters report back to us what that sequence is through a lot of work and a lot of really interesting chemistry and a lot of really interesting analysis. But the 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 little workhorse guys are are fluorescent molecules telling us what's going on through the microscope. <laughs> I so. love hearing the, sto the story of the inception of the ideas and how that, that shapes the path that we all have, correct? Really curious about, you know, what your relationship and how uh, your relationship with ACC Biosciences Lab and Incubator, how that's uh, affected your startup and how that's helped and, you know, that kind of uh, in in information. What do you have to say about that? Either one of you. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll start a little bit and then Jag maybe can um, dig a little deeper. So when we spun out the company, we, um, Jag and I, are, are employees of the university um, now and as well as, as um, founders of the company. And um, we can have a, the company can have a relationship with the university through sponsored research. So basically the company is um, outsourcing research for the university to do, but that has a lot of restrictions um, because the University of Texas is a nonprofit institution. Yeah. So we can't have customers and, and run samples for customers within that space. So we've done most of our early stage R&D there. Um, so ACC was one of the few if only places where we could set up a lab without breaking our very small um, seed startup budget and still be able to um, have a working lab and and put in our equipment and go there every day and, and do research. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just chiming in with, with what Angela said. This has been like, there is a lot of restrictions at the university, what we can and we cannot do. Uh, ACC is a great um, uh, is a great place for us to uh, access uh, customer samples and uh, and carry on further, more in terms of commercial-oriented uh, development. 
sounds like uh to me uh obviously you know trying doing all the research and the work over it at uh, UT, uh, University of Texas, and then having this, uh, the rules that you have to go by. It sounds like kind of like separating church and state, keeping two things separately. And, it, and that's what ACC Biosciences Lab allows you to do. And at a, as you mentioned, at a cost that is acceptable to a startup. Is that, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I priced out all the equipment that I would have to buy um, if in addition to rent, in addition to building out a lab space, because um, Austin really should be um, a bioscience town, but it's not mm -hmm. yet. So there are not a lot of even places where you could um, do that kind of research. And it was it would have taken a significant portion of our budget. And you only have money to pay for things or people. And um, we would rather be paying for, for people to do the science instead of things. And um, yeah, no. so the bias, yeah. So, so, you know, we do have a lot of our own equipment that we've, we've brought in and, and that's great, but um, it saves us freezers and balances and, and there's a community there, which is also um, useful from a, personal, especially in these days of COVID, just mm -hmm. to, to have some people around you is wonderful. But then there's the startup community uh, that is helpful for more of uh, um, getting resources and understanding within Austin. That's really, really cool, um, especially from, uh, you know, just using my imagination to think about your setup. And, and uh, as you mentioned, not only the equipment, not only um, the resources that it saves you and allows you to do things that otherwise would not be possible. You'd be focused a lot more on raising money and, and, and buying all this equipment, which is, which raises the risk of a, of a startup profile. Uh, but also, uh, it, you know, you mentioned the colleagues that are working on other projects, but you can certainly bounce ideas off and, and just chat and just kind of figure out what they're doing. And that's just insp inspiring for what you guys are doing. What's, what's, what do you hope that Ericsson does in the next five years? Like, what's what's the goal? I, I, you mentioned at the very beginning, you know, early targeting of uh, certain diseases, but I want to learn more about that. Is there more than that, or is that is that yeah. pretty much in a nutshell? No. Uh, well, I, I read a book, um, and it's uh, uh, "Born to uh, Built to Last," and it talks about trajectories of companies that last for more than 100 years. So deeply inspiring. I'm not saying anything about it and how Arisian's trajectory would be. But uh, what I uh, envision uh, our company to be is one of the leading companies in the space of proteomics and life science. And and what this enables, all the different applications, it would enable all the different diagnostics and therapeutics that people everywhere in the labs would be using our instruments, say in hospitals to, I don't know, diagnostic large centers. We want our instrument to be there and with like the Arision logo to be plastered on. So that's that's the big uh, goal for what uh, what our company does stand for. Um, and And of course, like, the more um, breakthrough type research you do, the more interesting discoveries that uh, uh, emerge from that. And uh, you can talk all the way from um, neuro neurological diseases all the way to cancer to just understanding how does a cell replicate. 
So it's kind of like that gamut of applications is what we want our technology to be uh, answering. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. I'm I'm just curious who are your or who are your current customers? Who will your current customers be? Is it doctors? Is it hospitals? Is it uh, pharmaceutical companies? Like, and and because I assume that this is an instrument and a test. Is that what I'm hearing? Um, so it's we're we're developing an, uh, a, a platform technology, which is um, both an instrument and um, reagents and chemistries that and analysis that go along with that. Um, we our technology is new, and um, the current um, technologies that do that you do use to have your diagnostics currently do not provide the sensitivity that our technology does. And therefore, we need to have these early seed um, applications. And some of those applications that we're developing internally are diagnostics. So they are separate things, but um, we're hoping we're hoping that our company will be developing tests to be run on our instrumentation, as well as selling our instrumentation to other companies to 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 develop those those tests or to do base as Jack says basic research. So I expect there'll be at least one in every university <laughs> um, in the same way there's one um, genomic sequencer at every university. But if you're a, a pharmaceutical company or um, a big research um, institute, you may have banks, rooms full of them where people are running their samples through 24 seven. Got it. Is, do you guys ever envision, you know, you, you did a comparison, 23andMe to DNA is what you guys do to protein. You ever envision having a test that goes out to the public and public can just like take the test and send it into one of these universities or one of the, a, a location to understand themselves? Um, so, <laughs> well, uh, so I, I, I think it's a fair question to ask. And, uh, I, and I would say that uh, people are doing it right? The only catch is that they're not doing it for, I don't know, like pleasure or to know their history. They're actually doing it when they visit their doctors to give their blood test, right? Okay. And so in a, in a way, it is being done, these types of analytical tests on to monitor your daily health and so forth. The only thing is that the public is not seeing the instruments that run these tests. And that is what I think uh, where we would fit in and what our technology is capable of doing. Um, so did that help? Yeah, uh, yeah no, that, that helps. It's already done. You're going to go into a much deeper dive in or the people that are doing it, aka doctors, labs, and so forth, will be able to go much deeper than they've been able to go before. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, and, and it also gives n- newer tests to be developed. And this is where the uh, the research arm comes into play, where they develop a new diagnostic biomarker, which is nothing but a fancy word to say these are the indications for your current disease. And that is a test that we will be able to support. So this is where our visions would be. Yeah. Very nice, very nice. I, I was just... As these questions came up, I mean, I'm thinking I'm asking for a friend, but I'd love to have that. You know, I think anybody wants to understand their body more and understand what can I do now to change my proteins to to catch things early. And I think that's that's a that's a question that uh, I don't see, especially in the days that we're living right now with COVID and whatnot. Everybody's you know wondering, and there's all this unknown out there, and I think it brings health to that uh, level of kind of. 
not understanding, but it's the level of awareness. We've got to always be aware of our own health and whatever may come our way. And so I think this is a great technology you guys are putting together. So um, with that, what I'd like to see, and this isn't something that I think we're – I'm not sure that this will be possible given the way that health is managed in in the country. But one of the things I think is missing is a baseline of your health, right? If you're if you're if you're testing for something, I may have a higher protein com- concentration of something than Jag does just in my natural life. So if I if I take a test and I see that it's elevated, it may not actually be elevated for me, or maybe I'm low and it, it is elevated into the normal range. And having a, a baseline understanding of your own levels as you, throughout your life would I think be very useful in 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 making sure that you're targeting the treatments. For for you personally. And it would be nice um, if our instrument could be part of that um, lifelong testing. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds wonderful. So uh, any advice for young startups that, I mean, again, all the benefits you guys have, have received from working with ACC in the bioscience lab, what, what advice would you give both maybe to people interested in science and also just, you know, opportunities of growth of a business. What, what advice would you give? Um, I say find a team that you trust and people who know what you don't know, because, um, you're, they're your new family. You're going to be spending all your time with them. (laughs) So, um, you need to make sure that you're going to work well together and that you can build together. So. Yeah, I I might chime in about a more uh, a personal reflection maybe uh, about what a startup means to me and what I think um, would be helpful for somebody else. Um, I've started as a PhD student. It was mostly like, it's my project. I need to solve it to get my PhD or I need to figure out the problem. But in a startup world, I've been slowly getting used to the thought that uh, I'm not going to find an answer, but there is an answer out there. I have to find that. I have to find the person who knows the answer or find a way to get it quicker. And so it's kind of like, uh, it, it just is a mind shift that I think may need to come earlier than the, uh, earlier in the startup uh, founder team. So really go cool. out, try to find the answer, leave no stone unturned. So. I love it. So right now, our awareness is all over COVID. Does this have any application or this kind of testing have any application towards, you know, the future of COVID or other types of of diseases like that? So, sure, we can. um, So COVID is a very interesting disease, as you may all know from hearing about it on the news. It is fascinating from a scientific perspective. So it's very challenging to, to talk about that specifically. However, one of the things that we're very interested in is how um, your body response has a your immune response to things um, like COVID and how you present small proteins on your cell surface when they've been infected. So one of the things that we're really focused on is how you can use that information to tell, are you, um, are you sick? 
And what kind of sick are you? <laughs> and is there a specific treatment um, targeting those proteins that you're displaying that could help you be less sick? And so um, within that area of COVID, I think um, th that's sort of the, the, that's what we're interested in. Jag, do you yeah, have... So, um... Uh, yeah, so uh, I'll just piggyback on a couple of things Angela mentioned. Um, there, um, again, like there's a short-term, uh, short-term, important, uh, critical need for diseases like COVID, and there is also a little bit armchair uh, look back at how these infectious diseases propagate and jump species to one to another. So I think proteins, again, like as I mentioned to you, is kind of like a very important biomolecule and uh, viruses like COVID display these proteins. And what Angela was referring to is our work on developing these th uh, these things called the peptide vaccines, or it's another way of looking at like uh, how could you trigger an immune system to be to recognize that there is a COVID infection. Um, so maybe could we start to uh, develop um, a few uh, early tests on like what are the peptides or what are these proteins that the immune system recognizes and determines that it is COVID or not. So that is one aspect that we are kind of like working on the short term uh, towards. The, the longer, uh, again, like an interesting uh, armchair reflection on this is uh, this COVID molecule, this, this COVID virus, they infect cells through this proteins called the spike proteins. And these spike proteins, you can think of them as like these three little trimers, uh, three little, I don't know, uh, uh, tridents that go and uh, latch onto a cell. And that's how COVID actually infects people. Okay. Um, that trident uh, uh, is actually decorated with sugars. And many a times these sugars like block the immune system from even recognizing this. Our body has an amazing capability of clearing these viruses out. If only they could get to that uh, trident part of it, the core structure, that's the protein part of it. But being decorated by these sugars makes it like a camouflage. And so this is where uh, like an, uh, our, one of our the goals and one of the things that we can do in our technology is to actually figure out like what type of sugar decorations are there, how do we block, unblock these sugars, uh, and, and work out like a much cleaner strategy for these infectious disease clearance from the body and so forth. That is really a really good explanation. I'm, I'm, I appreciate that explanation. I was in, in my mind. I was thinking about like an Aquaman and the Trident and, and hitting a, a cell and is all covered with these jewels that look like sugars. And and you were over here identifying what's that sugar because we need to get that Trident off of here. And so that's what it sounds like. It's that's exactly really right. cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Well, I really have enjoyed chatting with both of you. I think I think the work that you guys are doing is incredible. Congratulations on this path and just starting down a, a path that there's no testing for. And you're like, I'm going to go create this test. And, it, and you know, on behalf of people like myself who are always interested in learning more about how to be healthier, the work that you guys are doing is just incredible and needed. And so thank you very much for, for doing that. And thank you very much for being on the show. We appreciate you uh, taking the time today. This was fun. Thank you. Thank you for, for asking. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun and, and 
We're excited to support local businesses or podcasts or, <laughs> yeah. Thank you again, Angela and Jack, for joining us today and teaching us more about proteins. I really love the work that you're doing and I'm cheering you on, wishing you much success for the benefit of us all. If you'd like to learn more about Ericsson, please visit the link in our show notes. Science in the Mall, y'all, is created in partnership between Founding Media and the Austin Community College Bioscience Incubator. To learn more about the ACC Bioscience Incubator, please visit the link in our show notes. If you like what you hear on this show, please be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend or family member. 